So we're in the Advent season, um, which means uh, Christmas is just a few weeks away. And so I want to spend uh, this evening reflecting on the birth of Jesus. You know, what, what is Christmas all about? And in a lot of ways, Christmas is a, a long-expected birth story that really comes in a very unexpected way. It's a long-expected birth story that comes in a very unexpected way. You'll notice right there in verse 18, now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. So, you know, what what is Christmas? Well, at at the core, right, it's a story. A long-expected birth story that comes in such an unexpected way. And I want to start by telling you about one of the the craziest days of my life. And it happens to be the birth story of, of our third son, uh, Matthias. And, and here's what you need to know about the Arevalos. Um, n- number one, we're always late. Number two, um, all three of our kids have been born at, at birth centers with, mid- with midwives, which is not that common in the States. And number three, um, our birth center is about an hour drive from, from our home in the middle of nowhere of, of Houston. Um, so, you know, b- being our third kid, we, we resolved, right? We're, we're going to give this kid an on-time delivery. If there's one way that we can set him up, for success is going to be to, you know, get him on time for his delivery. And so we made a plan. We made a plan that had no room for the unexpected. And on the night of September 2nd, you know, Beverly, she enters into active labor. We leave the house right away. It's around Thursday. It's 8, 8 p.m. around around that time. And we get on the motorway. And everything's looking looking good, looking splendid. And 15 minutes away from the birth center... Our long-expected plan meets the unexpected. Um, the, the last thing that a birthing mom wants to hear is the dreaded words, there's traffic. Five minutes turn to ten minutes, ten minutes to thirty, and it, it seems like we were there for hours, um, but we, we were stuck in traffic on, on the motorway. And the, the thing about the motorway um, is that we were, we were in between uh, two cement barriers, so there was no way to get around. We, we tried to squeeze by the traffic, and we eventually got stuck behind this big semi-truck. We called 911. My phone was dying. And we thought we're about to have a baby in the car. And our long-expected plan met the unexpected. And maybe you're here tonight, and you can relate to that story. Um, maybe you had expectations. Maybe you had goals or, or dreams. And you met the unexpected. Maybe you moved to London thinking, you know, I'm, I'm going to recreate myself. I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to be somebody here. And, and you find that that's not your reality. You find that perhaps that the city is, is maybe crushing you. You feel lonely. You, you, feel, you feel afraid. You're lost. Or maybe you find yourself thinking um, perhaps in your office, you know, how did I get here? This wasn't my five-year plan, and you start thinking about that, and, and this, this wave of depression just comes over you because you know that this wasn't your five-year plan, and you're thinking, how did I get here? Or maybe you're here this morning, and, and you're a parent, and your kids are not walking with the Lord, and you're thinking, I thought things were going to be different. I mean, I, I kids to church, I, we, we taught them about the Bible, we taught them about the Lord Jesus, we catechized them, so why the unexpected? And friends, you know this to be true, that oftentimes our long-expected plans meet the unexpected. That's, that's just the reality of life, isn't it? And if you know that tension, then I think you can understand the Christmas story. Because in a lot of ways, Christmas is a long-expected birth story that comes in such an unexpected way. 
And, and this, and this birth story, at, at, at the core of this birth story, it's, it's grace. It's a story of grace. And so here's our theme this, this evening. Um, God's long expected story of grace is for us, verses 1 to 17. But it's unexpected because it's not from us, verses 18 to 24. God's long expected story of grace is for us, but it's unexpected because it's not from us. And in a lot of ways, I think that captures what Christmas is. So, so let's look at the first point. God's long expected grace is for us. And you'll notice that in verses 1 to 17, it's this long expected story of grace, isn't it? And, and you might not see that at first because um, these 17 verses are very much unexpected, right? It, it's a genealogy. Why in the world does Matthew choose to begin his gospel with a genealogy? Uh, maybe you've taken uh, maybe a, a communications 101 course or a composition 101 course, and you're normally taught that the way that you begin a story or the way that you begin a talk is with this thing called a hook idea, right? You, you want to you give a provocative question or you want to you know, tell a human interest story, and it, it's just something that connects with people. And you'll notice that Matthew doesn't do that, does he? Like, you would expect the very first book of the New Testament just to, to be a little bit more engaging, right? So think about it this way. If, if you were uh, writing a gospel, I mean, how would you begin? You might choose to maybe take Mark's approach, right? He, he skips the birth narratives altogether, and he just gives us the adult Jesus Christ in his public ministry. You might choose to do that, or you might choose to uh, personalize your gospel. It's, it's what Luke does in his gospel, right? He writes to his friend Theophilus. Or you might choose to start your gospel with a theological bang, a theological boom, just like John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. But you probably wouldn't start like Matthew. I mean, he gives 17 verses of 40-something names that are hard to pronounce, all teasing out the lineage of Jesus. Why in the world does he do this? Why does he begin this way? Well, here's why. Um, Matthew wants us to see that the Jesus birth, this, listen, this is not a new story. He's not telling us a new story. No, this is a long expected birth story that stretches all the way back into Genesis chapter 3. This is, um, this is a story that's being told and that has been told all throughout the Old Testament is long expected story of grace for us, for real people like you and me, for, for real people and their real sin. We have, uh, we have three little kids, and so um, I get the privilege of drawing a ton with crayons. And I don't know if you've ever drawn with crayons, but if you have recently, you, you know it's kind of hard to draw with crayons, right? They're kind of they're big and they're clunky, so it's, it's not easy to create a masterpiece with crayons. Um, but, but there happens to be this, um, this Catholic nun who's apparently she's a, she's a gifted crayon artist because she, she's drawn this, uh, this picture of, of the two women of Christmas, Mary and, and Eve. And, and maybe you've seen the picture. But um, Mary's pregnant, and she's consoling Eve. And, and there's Eve in the picture. She's holding an apple, and she's, she has her arm outstretched, and she's touching the belly of Mary. And wrapped around Eve's leg, there's a snake. There's a serpent. It's a very powerful image. Um, I, I wonder if you've ever felt like your life is wrapped around by sin, and like your life is wrapped around by Satan. In a lot of ways, that, that's the world that we live in. Um, um, sin and Satan, it, it, he wraps himself around culture and, and family and work and 
schooled in our hearts. Our world is wrapped around by sin and Satan. And, and yet in the picture, underneath Mary's foot, she's crushing the head of the, of the serpent. Pregnant Mary, she's crushing the head of the serpent. And, and you might think, what a random picture. But friends, um, is, this is actually the very first promise of the gospel all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. I mean, you, you remember Genesis chapter 3, don't you? Um, our, our first historic real parents, Adam and Eve, they fall into sin, and God meets them in their sin, and he says something so unexpected. I mean, when, think, think about it like this. When God sees you in your sin, what, what do you expect him to say? We might expect him to give immediate wrath. But in Genesis chapter 3, he says something so unexpected. He speaks a word of judgment to the serpent, but he looks at Adam and Eve and he speaks a word of grace to them. He, he says to Eve, um, from you, Eve, there's going to be a birth story. There's going to be a seed. There's going to be a, a baby who's, who's going to bring the thing that all of us long for, redemption, joy, peace, the renewal of, the renewal of all things. There's going to be a birth story from you, Eve. And yet, that birth story is going to take a long time to unfold and to develop. And listen, Eve, it's going to unfold through the real lives of real people in their real sin. That's what Matthew's genealogy is showing us. I mean, if, um, if you've ever made a family tree, then, then you know this to be true, that behind every single name there's a story, isn't there? You think about the stories behind your own name. In some of us in this room, we, we might have stories of deep sorrow. You've been sinned against in really dark ways. Some of us in this room, you might have stories of unfulfilled dreams, relational regrets, barrenness, identity struggles, waking up with daily pain, hidden sins that no one, no one knows about. And friends, behind every single name, there's a story, and it's true of, of Matthew's genealogy. And of course, we, we can't go through all of these names. And so we're just going to focus on the, the, the two big names that Matthew structures his genealogy around. And the, that's David and that's Abraham. And, and both of these lives, Abraham and David, but both of them show us that God's grace is for us, for real people like you and me. And so, I mean, let's think about Abraham. Um, you know, he, he, Abraham's all over the Bible, right? All over the Old Testament, all over the New Testament. This is the father of faith. You think about it this way. Um, when Paul wants to illustrate the doctrine of justification in Romans, he hangs his hat on, on Abraham. He goes to Abraham, right? A- Abraham believed God's promise and he was counted as righteous. And, and of course, you, you remember the promises, right? I mean, Genesis chapter 12 and 16 and 17. It's a birth story, isn't it? God says, you know, Abraham, I'm going to give you a birth story. I'm going to give you a, a seed, a baby, and, and that, that baby is going to grow into this nation to bring blessings to the world far as the curse is found. And yet the problem is that Sarah is barren. And sometimes God's promises feel that way, don't they? You think about the songs that we sing at, at Christmas time, right? You just think of one, a very popular one, Joy to the World. How can we possibly sing joy to the world when there are two and probably even more ongoing wars? There's conflict perhaps in your family right now. There's conflict within your heart. 
And perhaps you're asking the question, you know, how can I believe God's promises when it seems like it's barren? His promises are barren. He, he, he's not doing anything. I wonder if you've, if you've ever been there. God's promises at times feel barren. Abraham received the promise, but for years, it's just barren. And so what do you do when it seems like faith isn't working? You can think about your own life. You might doubt. You might struggle with your faith. You know, everything inside you is saying, this doesn't work. This Christianity thing, um, this faith thing, it doesn't work, so just stop believing. In a lot of ways, that's Abraham's story. God, didn't you promise me a birth story? Isn't that what you promised? You remember what Abraham does? He tries to create his own birth story. And so he has a baby with his servant Hagar, and, and he believes, and yet he doesn't believe. And oh boy, what, what a wonderful picture of our own shaky faith. I, I, I believe, but, but there's unbelief in me, Lord. I believe, but, but to be honest, sometimes your promises, they, they feel barren. I believe, Lord, but let me do things my way. And yet, friends, even in doubt and even in sin, there's grace. Because you'll notice the text in verse 2. What does it say? Abraham was the father of Isaac. And we're reminded that God's grace is for people like you and me. People who doubt. People with shaky faith. And we see in verse 6 that it's through Abraham's but years later. We we get King David in in verse 6, right? And, and David is another picture of the grace of God. The grace of God for people who sin really, really bad. I mean, do you remember God's promise to David in, in 2 Samuel chapter 7? I mean, it, it happens to be another birth story, doesn't it? Uh, God says um, to David, a baby's coming from your lineage. And he's going to build my house and I'm going to give him an everlasting kingdom. A, a kingdom of justice. A kingdom of righteousness. And, and you remember the chapter, right? 2 Samuel chapter 7. Uh, David believes the promise and he praises God. G- great are you, Lord. There's none like you. David believes in chapter 7. And do you remember what happens in chapter 11? 2 Samuel chapter 11. David sins really bad. He feeds his lust. He abuses his power. He commits adultery with Bathsheba. He lies about it, he tries to cover it up, and he eventually has Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, murdered. And I wonder if you can relate to King David. Maybe you've had a chapter 7 moment when you said, Lord, I believe your promise, I'm all in. I, I believe, I'm on fire for you, I trust in you, I'm believing in you. And then you had a chapter 11 moment. When you willfully sinned, you planned it, you executed it, you lied about it, you know your sin, and perhaps you're asking yourself the question, is God's grace for someone like me? Someone who sinned really bad. And Matthew wants us to see that Christmas, friends, it's this long-expected story of grace for people who doubt, for people with shaky faith, for people who sin really bad, that that's the message of Christmas, a long-expected story of grace for people like us. And friends, he, here's what's so amazing about this this uh, this truth, that it's it's from the broken family tree that, that Jesus comes, 
from his broken family in verses 1 to 17, this is the family tree of Jesus. A a, a family filled with sin, filled with brokenness, the long-expected Jesus comes, and yet he comes in such an unexpected way. Long-expected grace for us, and lastly, it's unexpected because it's not from us. And we get that story in, in verse 18, um, where Matthew says, you know, let, let me tell you about Jesus' birth. And it, it kind of sounds like he's going to tell us his ordinary birth story, right? Like, you know, just let me tell you about the birth of Jesus, an ordinary birth. But it's so unexpected. And of course, you already know that, right? Um, if, you, if, you, if you've been a Christian for some time, if you've been around Christian things, then you know the Christmas story. And so in a lot of ways, what we need to do this, uh, this evening is we need to step back And we need to try to get into the skin of the characters in the story. Because we're looking at the craziest day of Joseph's life. And so pick it up at verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And so Mary and Joseph, they're betrothed. Um, which, which is more than engagement, right? I mean, our, our concept is, you know, engagement in our, in our culture. But, you know, betrothal is, it's more than engagement because there's a legal promise here. And yet it's less than marriage because you, you'll notice that there's no intimacy. And that's what makes verse 18 so unexpected. Verse 18, before they came together, Mary was pregnant. This is actually one of the ways that the Bible speaks about, about sex about physical intimacy. And perhaps you might think, you know, is this a code word for physical intimacy and for sex because, you know, because Christians are embarrassed about sex? And it's what our culture thinks, right? Um, Oftentimes our culture thinks that Christians are, you know, we're prude or we're restrictive or we're oppressive. But friends, when the Bible uses phrases like uh, before they came together or or before they knew each other, you, you know what it's doing? It's actually elevating physical intimacy and and sex in a very positive way. I mean, physical intimacy, it's this binding union physically, emotionally, and spiritually between a a married man and a a married woman, which is why the view of of casual hookups, is. if you think about it, it's it's actually a very low view. It's a very low view of sex. I I mean, culture says, you know, there's nothing wrong with just casual hookups. We're just trying to be sex positive. And... And yet, friends, study after study shows how degrading it is, how dehumanizing it is. And yet, here's the Bible. It has this very high view of physical intimacy, reminding us that, you know, God created it. It's this binding togetherness. It's a gift in marriage, which is why this story is so hard. Mary and Joseph are betrothed. They're about to join themselves together. But she's pregnant And it isn't from Joseph. It's from the Holy Spirit, which is so unexpected. Now, you might think, um, you know, the Bible doesn't get biology either because a virgin cannot give birth. (laughs) And and maybe you're here this evening and and perhaps you're a little bit skeptical about the idea of of a virgin birth. And, And rightly so, right? It's not a common thing. So, you know, Matthew's genealogy in verses 1 to 17, the assumption in that genealogy is that every every single person in that genealogy, except one, 
every single person in that genealogy has been born the same exact way. Physical conception, gestation, and then birth. And, and so th- this, this, um, this idea of, of a virgin birth, it's not, it's not common. And friends, that's the point. That, that, that's the point that this is not from us. This is God stepping into the story. This is God showing off his power. This is God doing his work of grace. And perhaps you're still thinking, well, you know, of course it's easy for, for Joseph. He's, he's a first century man. You know, perhaps it's, it's, it's easy for him to believe the virgin birth, but, but us modern people, we can never believe this, right? We, we're, we're scientific people. We're modern people. We know better. But Joseph, I mean, he's a first century man. What, what did he know? And if that's what you think, then you clearly haven't read the text well. Because Joseph can't believe it either. It's unexpected. Mary's pregnant from the Holy Spirit? What? I mean, we're not told in the passage, but I think it's safe to assume that Mary explains the situation, right? I mean, you know, wouldn't you? You know, Joseph, I know it's hard to believe, um, but an angel came to me. And, and this angel said that I'm, I'm going to give birth to the Son of the Most High. But, but Joseph, he, here's the crazy part. It's from the Holy Spirit. I don't understand it. I can't explain it. Um, it's, it's a mystery, but it's not from me. This birth is not from me. It's from God. And Joseph hears the story. And we see that right there in verse 19, that he doesn't believe it. He, he decides to quietly divorce her, which is really unexpected. This is a patriarchal society. Uh, th- this is a culture where, where women generally weren't believed. Mary's pregnant, and she's not married. Listen, Joseph has the power. Joseph controls the narrative. He can easily tear her down, but he doesn't. He does all that he can to not bring shame upon her. And it's so unexpected, friends. And if you think about it, it's a wonderful, beautiful picture of the gospel. what, what, What is the gospel all about? The gospel message is all about a king who, who didn't come to use his power to tear us down. But, but the gospel message uh, centers on, on uh, the king who sets aside his power. He doesn't lose his power. He sets aside his power and he becomes a little baby to save his people from their sins. The the gospel isn't about a king who comes with judgment and wrath right now. It's about a king who comes to cover up the nakedness of his spouse. Joseph, he's a just man. He's unwilling unwilling to put her to shame. But would you agree that he's in a difficult spot? I mean, he loves Mary, but he doesn't have to do. And, and we get a sense of that in verse 20. Take a look. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And you, you, you might think, well, we've seen genealogies, we've seen virgin births, and, and now we're looking at angels. You know, Christmas is extremely strange. Um, you know, angels are, are spiritual beings who, who normally don't talk to humans. 
It happens in the Bible, but it's, it's not a common thing. And yet I suppose this is what it takes to be convinced of a virgin birth. If, if the testimony of Mary doesn't convince you, if your own reasoning doesn't convince you, then perhaps we need something from the outside, something divine to come in, to step into our world, and to convince us. And in a lot of ways, friends, that is the Christian faith. I mean, how do you, how, how did you come to believe in the Lord Jesus? Was it primarily because of somebody's testimony? I mean, th- those things help. Was it primarily because of your own reasoning? It's helpful. But the primary way that, that anyone comes to believe in the Lord Jesus is because of the Holy Spirit. He comes and he steps into our lives. He opens up our hearts. He regenerates our hearts and he gives us the ability to believe. Something from the outside comes and opens up our heart. And here in this text, here's an angel in verse 21 bringing the gospel. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. She's telling the truth. She's going to bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sin. And friends, that's the story of Christmas. A reminder that salvation, it, it doesn't come from us. And would you agree that's extremely countercultural? See, we, we live in a culture where, um, where we look for salvation in financial security. We look for salvation in um, politicians or peace treaties, our own reputations, our own intelligence, our, our own ingenuity. We look for salvation in all of these things, and yet Christmas says, no, 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 no. Salvation does not come from you. Salvation does not come from you. It comes from an unexpected baby named Jesus. You'll notice in verse 23, I mean, what do we see in verse 23? The long-expected birth of Jesus Christ. I mean, Isaiah the prophet said, Behold, the virgin shall conceive, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. In, In other words, Isaiah was given a birth story. David was given a birth story. Abraham was given a birth story. This goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 where we hear God saying, I will provide the birth story. I will provide the salvation. I will bring the hope that you long for, the joy that you're seeking, the the, the peace that your soul needs, the restoration that you want, the forgiveness of sins that you need. The Lord says, I will do that. I will provide the story. And I will do it in such an unexpected way. Long expected grace for you. But it's so unexpected because it's not from you. And Joseph, he he believes this message and he's changed. Verse 24. He does what the angel tells him. He stays with Mary. She gives birth to the long expected yet unexpected baby named Jesus who comes to crush the head of the serpent. Friends, that's the Christmas message. A story of grace for you. And yet it's so unexpected because it's not from us. It's from a God who sets aside his, his power. It's from a God who makes ancient promises and fulfills every single one of those promises. It's from a God who longs to pour out his grace upon his people. 
let, let me end with this. Um, last year, some of our really good friends, um, they walked away from the faith. They really wanted their own birth story. And it never came. And, and the pain was just too much for them. And they eventually walked away from the Lord. And, and last year, my friend posted this on Facebook. Um, this is what she said. She said, life in 2022 was like a carousel. It had ups and downs, but we kept our heads up knowing that life is hard, no one cares, and sometimes it's just you and me. Against all odds, we made it. What a year, 2023. Here we come. Life is hard. No one cares. So it's up to me to survive. Life is hard. No one cares. So it's up to me to create my own salvation story. Life is hard. No one cares. So it's up to me to create my own fulfillment. Life is hard. No one cares. So why bother with with this Christian faith thing? Friends, listen. When your life meets the unexpected, Christmas says to you, life is hard. But there is someone who cares. God himself did the unexpected. He, he becomes a little baby. He takes on human flesh. He enters into the story. And he does all of this to save his people from their sins. I, I love the way that uh, John Milton put it. Uh, he said, uh, The Lord Jesus forsook the courts of everlasting day and chose with us a darksome house of mortal clay. The, the Lord Jesus, he forsook the, the courts of everlasting day and chose with us a darksome house of mortal clay. You know, friends, it's in his mortal body, his real flesh, his real body of clay, that our Lord Jesus Christ, he felt our pain. He took our sorrows. He bore our sins. And listen, it's in his body that he can offer to you and to me tonight hope and salvation and grace and love and mercy. It's in his body that we get eternal hope. He came to earth to taste our sadness. He whose glories knew no end. By his life, he brings us gladness, our Redeemer, Shepherd, Friend. That is the message of Christmas. This long-expected birth story for us. But it's so unexpected because it comes to us in full grace, wrapped in swaddling clothes, in a little baby named Jesus who brings salvation. And that's the glory and the love of our Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for the fact that you are a God who keeps covenants. And at times we read these ancient promises, Lord, and we're so quick to look at our present life, and we're so quick to say, Lord, where are you? You feel your promises, they feel barren. It feels like you're not doing anything. And it's very easy for us to drift and drift and drift. And so we pray for all the hearts in this room that perhaps are in that spot right now. They feel like your promises are barren. We have shaky faith. We have deep sin in our hearts. And so we pray that this grace and the story of Christmas, this the story of the gospel, would capture our hearts. 
And we would know that you are indeed a God of grace and mercy, that we can come to you and find forgiveness and find strength. And so would you do that for us this night? In Christ's name we pray. Amen.